Amen. All right, check this out. One day this farmer died, and John, and his elderly wife was bedridden, and she was really depressed, obviously. And, and so her son tried everything he could think of to cheer her up, but man, nothing worked. And so one day he spoke to the doctor, and the doctor said, all right, tell you what, why don't you just give her, give her a shot of whiskey, okay, is what you do, and that's going to perk her up, and you give it to her every single night. And, and he says it would also make it easier for her to sleep at night, and, and it shouldn't make her better humored throughout the day. Well, the son, he knew there's, his mom didn't believe in drinking liquor and stuff, and so, so the doctor said, well, I tell you what, uh, put it in her food or drink or something like that. So the boy went home, and he put the whiskey in her milk. Yeah. Well, that night, man, she slept like a baby. And in fact, she woke up feeling wonderful. In fact, every night when he gave her that shot of whiskey in her milk, she woke up the following morning feeling absolutely great. But then all of a sudden, they hit on hard times, and the son suggested to his mom that they, they sell the farm and move closer to the city. And his mom simply replied, hey, son, you can do whatever you want to do, but whatever you do, don't sell that cow. Mm -mm. That's not where it was coming from, in case you're wondering. Okay, now folks, you know me. Hey, cows are awesome. They're cool. I can personally vouch for that. Okay, but that's not what you keep one around for. Okay, you eat them. You don't drink them with whiskey. But anyway, but here's the point, because I know you guys are going to disagree, but let's move on quickly. <laughs> How many guys would say, the point is this, that lady was being fooled, wasn't she, right? She was being fooled. She was thinking it was one thing that was giving her joy, but mm, it was something else. She was being fooled. And believe it or not, did you know that one day this is going to happen on a massive scale all over the world by the Antichrist? You see, the Bible says this guy's going to arrive on the scene, and he's going to have this, if you will, deceptive milk talk. And he's going to give people this intoxicating lie and say, if you just worship me and listen to me and follow me, you'll have nothing but pure joy and excitement. It'll be awesome. And just like that lady, thinking that cow was something special. Boom. You just entered into mankind's absolute worst nightmare, made the biggest mistake of your life. It's called the seven-year tribulation, folks, and it's not a joke. The Bible says it's an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind, uh, so horrible that unless God shortened that time frame, the entire human race would be destroyed. But praise God, God's not just a God of wrath. Anybody glad about that? Okay? And again, you have to understand the reason why his wrath is being outpoured is because he's a God who is just. Nobody is going to get away with all this wickedness and evil. So him being a God of wrath is not bad. Okay, but he's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he gives us so many warning signs to let us know when the tribulation's getting close and the rapture is even closer than that, which happens prior to that, okay? So to keep you and I from experiencing the ultimate bad day, even worse than abusing the real purpose of counts, Joey, uh, we're going to continue, that's right, in our study, the final countdown update, okay? We've already seen, if you've been tracking with us, the first five updates on this study, and that was the Jewish people, the Antichrist, Modern technology, worldwide upheaval, and the last three times was the rise of falsehood. And there we saw the Bible clearly tells us that when you see an increase of false messiahs, false myths, false messengers, whether it be the false messenger or the visions of Virgin Mary from the sky, or last time, the false messengers of UFOs and aliens from the sky. They're both absolutely, clearly demonic in nature. It's a deception. And we, we came to that conclusion because, John, we are just ignorant Christians who refuse to deal with the facts, and we blame everything on the devil. Yeah, wrong answer. Uh, but anyway, thanks for coming back, John. I don't know if there's sunburn from the Bahamas or what, but that's, you're not thinking straight. No, no, no. We're discerning Christians. We dealt with both sides of the story, and we took a look at the facts, and we saw that, hello, they lie like demons, they teach like demons, they communicate like demons, they travel like demons, they possess like demons, they're rebuked in the name of Jesus Christ like demons, and they deceive like demons. How many guys would say you're probably dealing with the demon? <laughs> yeah, hello, okay? And then they have the audacity to say that they're the ones 
as to why the church disappeared at the rapture. It had nothing to do with God. It was the UFOs that came and take them away. The perfect instantaneous worldwide excuse to explain away the rapture of the church. That's what demons do. Okay, we clearly saw that. But that's an all the sixth update on the final countdown study. Letting us, how do you know we're living the last days? Well, folks, it's this one, the rise of wickedness. And I mean wicked wickedness. Okay, it's going to get incredibly worse, okay? And the Bible is very clear, folks. In the last days, you are going to see people. How do you know it's getting close? We don't know the day nor the hour, but you're going to see on a massive societal global scale, people are going to get really nasty, really wicked, and really rotten before Jesus Christ comes back. And I don't know about you, but watch TV, read the newspaper, and we are so far away from that society. Sarcasm. That's right, Robert, sarcasm. It's once again the clue that that's not true. Uh, folks, we are in that society now, and, uh, but as always, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is going to give us a whole list of behavior. They don't, Paul doesn't just say, hey, you're going to have some wicked behavior in general. He starts nailing it. Okay, and as we read through this, you tell me how many of these things are coming to pass as we sit here. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's take a look there. Or 2 Timothy, you can go to 2 Peter, but uh, you won't understand what worldwide I'm about to read. Uh, but anyway, I'm still here for you. 2 Peter chapter 3, and, uh, or 2 Timothy, man. <laughs> this happened last uh, Wednesday, man, that vestigial organ on my tongue with our evolution studies. But anyway, that's right. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's take a look at this. Godlessness in the last days. Godlessness in the last days. Let's take a look at this. Now, I don't know how you get any clearer than this, man. This is one of those easy ones we should pick up on. Okay, you don't sit there and pray and fast 15. Oh, if I only knew what he was talking about. How do I know I'm in the last days? Well, let's take a look at what Paul says. He says, but mark this, there's going to be terrible times in the last days. Well, well just how bad is it going to get there, Paul? Well, listen to what he says. This is going to be that world at that time. He says, people are going to be lovers of who? themselves lovers of money and they're they're going to be boastful and they're going to be proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents and uh, uh, ungrateful and unholy and without love and unforgiving and slanderous and without self-control they're going to be brutal and not lovers of the good and treacherous and rash and conceited and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god they're going to have this form of godliness but they're going to deny its power and paul says what have nothing to do with them in other words, stay away. They're a bad influence, right? But again, folks, I don't know how you get any closer than this. This is one of those easy-to-me prophecy signs to let us know we're living the last days. We don't know the exact day nor the hour, but how do you know you're getting close? It's this. Paul clearly says, in the last days. It's going to be terrible. Why? Because the last days society is going to become a society that is filled with absolute, unadulterated wickedness on a multitude of levels, Right? And that's what he says there. He says they're going to be selfish and greedy and boastful and abusive and prideful and disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, out of control. Good thing we don't see that today. Out of control, brutal, evil, treacherous, rash, conceited, okay? Every, here's the point. Every single one of those. Read every single one of them. Every one is true for our society today. Not three out of five, not four out of five, not five out of four for those of you hooked on fractions. Four out of five. You ever wondered that? Four out of five. Why is it always four out of five dentists or four out of five doctors? Is there really one rebel doctor out there messing these figures up? Let's move on. That might be part of a sign in the wickedness. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> excuse me. But five out of five. Every single one of these is now a commonplace in our society, which means, therefore, what do you deduce from that? We're living in the last days. I didn't say that. Paul did, right? 
You're living in the last days. You're in that society when you get absolute, unadulterated wickedness. Every single one of those behaviors is right now today. But again, the skeptic's probably going to say something like, well, okay, come on. Okay, so what? Wickedness. We see wickedness in our world today. Wicked, schmicked, okay? We've always had wicked behavior. And granted, yeah, we've had wicked behavior, unfortunately, ever since the fall of man. But what's not common, folks, is how in the last few decades, even the last few years, there's been an explosion of all these wicked behaviors in our lifetime. That's the difference, okay? And I want to give you a comparison, just show you how bad it's gotten and how much it's escalated exponentially in just the last few years, okay? I'm going to give you a comparison. Now, we saw this before, okay? It used to be not that long ago, okay, that the leading disciplinary problems in our school systems used to be, number one, talking, Chewing gum, making noise, running in the hallways, getting out of place in line, those rebels, uh, wearing improper clothing, and get this, not putting paper in the wastebasket. Oh, how do those teachers deal with this? In fact, did you know that one day, not that long ago, leave it to Beaver, he told a lie. I got it on tape, let's watch. How was the movie? Well, I didn't go to the movie. You didn't go to the movie? No, sir. I went yesterday when I wasn't supposed to. Oh, is that so? Yes, sir. And I won a racing bicycle with a guaranteed leather seat. And I hit it at Larry's. And I was going to make believe like I won it today. But I couldn't. So that's why I'm telling you what happened. Well, uh, when did you decide to tell us about it? When I was walking the bike home from Larry's. <laughs> yeah, Dad. It's too big for him to ride. Really? Well, Beaver, I'm glad you decided to tell us the truth. Of course, you realize you can't keep a bicycle you won while you were being disobedient. We'll have to find something to do with the bike. Larry and I already found something to do with it. Oh, you did? Yeah. I walked it back to Larry's house, and then Larry and I walked it down to a church. To a church? Yes, sir. Larry wants something to do with babies in a movie. Do what? We left it on the front steps with a note. Well, I just hope someone nice adopts it. Well, Beaver, I'm, I'm also very glad you realized you couldn't keep the bicycle. But there's still the matter of your being disobedient, isn't there? Yes, sir. Well, I think you'd better stay away from the movies for uh, two weeks. Yes, sir. What a rebel. Can you, did you hear that? Did you hear how he addressed his dad? What, a, what an absolute terror that beaver was. Folks, let's be honest. How many guys wish that's all the problems we ever had to deal with today? With kids, adolescents, whatever, okay? And I bring that up by way of comparison, okay? That wasn't that long ago. Now, here's the major problems that we have to deal with in our school system today. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, suicide, murder, rape, and robbery. Okay, and now because we uh, generations have been raised in that wicked environment, it's producing wickedness on a massive scale in our society. Let's take a look at some of that evidence of just how wicked our world is getting in general. A high school kid took uh, this, and this is all just recent headlines, just headlines. A high school kid took two kitchen knives and went on a stabbing rampage uh, in his school. A Florida teen was accused of poisoning the teacher's drink recently. A father put his six-week-old daughter in a freezer to keep her from crying. Uh, three children were left to starve to death while one was chained to the floor. 
A woman was arrested after police say she injected hand sanitizer into the feeding tube of her infant son. Uh, Florida parents were arrested after abandoning the, their three kids in the woods. A grandmother forced soiled underwear down her 11-year-old granddaughter's mouth. A caregiver used a stun gun to punish the kids. A couple locked their three-year-old child into a trunk to cure their fear of darkness. These are all just headlines, folks, recent headlines. A mother stabbed her baby in an attempted murder-suicide. A woman strangled her newborn son and tossed him into the trash. A dad killed his wife and kids, quote, because he didn't have car seats. Uh, a Texas man was uh, convicted of murdering his neighbors over dog feces. A pregnant woman attacked a roommate over butter. And I'm not making this up. A North Miami beach man was fatally shot after a fight over utensils broke out at a baptism party. Okay? It's crazy, but a couple more. And a Florida man bit his neighbor's ear off over a cigarette. And I'm not making it up. A man stabbed a woman for uh, bringing home a pizza instead of a chicken sandwich. Now, first of all, you know I had to share that one. Okay? But that really did take place. Okay? Uh, but second of all, more importantly, uh, how many guys would say you just take a look at a sampling of the headlines and that's what it was, just a sampling of the headlines. And there's a massive rise of wickedness. Compare it to Beaver and to that. There is a massive rise of wickedness. And that's exactly what the Bible said would happen in the last days. Now, now here's the point, folks. This is what's so wild. We, we're so used to this now. It's so commonplace, this wickedness, we're no longer shocked at it. In fact, we expect it, uh, it's, it's the norm, Right? And, and again, we act like it's no big deal. Hey, what else is on, Bob? Let's check out the weather channel. The game's on. Why don't we, just, we just pop in. Wicked, 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 wicked. And it's no big deal. And yet here's the point, folks. This is what I said. This is one of those prophecy signs that it's like, man, this is the easiest one to prove to the skeptic. How do you know you live in the last days? Just turn on the TV. There it is. Wickedness. Massive rise of wickedness. How do you know we're living like Open the newspaper. There it is, headlines, read it every single day, and they keep getting worse. This is the easiest one that we can see, okay? And again, Paul says that's what's going to happen when you're living the last days. Now, the question that I want to deal with, okay, I think it's easy to demonstrate that we're seeing a massive rise of wickedness, but the question I have is, how? How did it get this way, folks? And how did it get this way in a relatively short amount of time, still within our lifetime, okay, with all due respect, I know that was a black and white show, but that wasn't that long ago, right? How did it change so drastically in such a short amount of time? Well, Bobby, thanks for asking. It works incredibly well with my notes. Uh, we're going to deal with two reasons, Lord willing, today. And the first one is because we now have a wicked educational system. What you believe determines how you behave. And if you put wickedness in the brain and believe in wickedness, you start to act like it, okay? Let's remind ourselves, though, as Christians, how we're supposed to educate our children according to God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9 says this. God speaking, by the way, to his people. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your what? Parents, your hearts. Mom and dad, number one, your heart. Now, did you just let them sit there and collect cobwebs? No. What's he say now? Impress them where? You get it in your head, in your heart, you put them on your kids. In fact, you do it all the time. Uh, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You tie them on symbols on your hands. You bind them on your foreheads. You write them on the door frames of your houses on your gates. In other words, at all times, everywhere you go, right? I didn't say that God did. Now, it's not just an Old Testament thing. It's New Testament as well. And Paul specifically calls out the dads. Dad, you need to be the spiritual leader of the home. Buck up and deal with it, okay? Paul says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, fathers, not mothers, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, what do you do? 
Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So primarily, whose responsibility is it to encourage and mandate and make sure that there's godly instruction in the family unit? Dads, right? I didn't say that. God did. Now, here's the payoff. We all know this one, right? So why do we do that? Old Testament, New Testament. Why do we invest in our kids? Well, here's the classic text. Proverbs 22, verse 5 through 6. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares. But he who guards his soul stays far from them. So what do you do? How do you keep your kid away from that? Moms, dads, train a child in the way he should go. And here's the payoff. When he's old, what's going to happen? By and large, he's not going to turn from it. Of course, each individual has their own uh, choice. You can do the best you can. Your kid can still go south. But by and large, you're setting a good course for the child to go. Okay. So we all know, I would hope, as Christians, that God places the spiritual education uh, on our children, on who? Us, on, you, on, on us, okay? And, and, and we know that. We know that that last verse there is the payoff. This is why we do it. I mean, we know that verse. We, we quote it, we cross-stitch it, we put it on a pillow, we put it on plaques on the wall, train up a child and away she go. Train up the child and away she go. Hey, if you train up a child and away she go, it's going to say, ah, here's the problem. We don't do the training anymore. We've usurped that right over to our society. Now, here's the problem. Back in the day, in our nation's history, it used to be okay. Kids used to learn alphabets like this. A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Z, Zacchaeus, he did climb the tree, Jesus to see. Kids were taught the scripture, even learning the alphabet. That used to be our school system, not anymore. Because our world is so filled with absolute unadulterated wickedness, it is now penetrated into our secular educational system. So when our kids now go to those educational systems, what are they being taught in? Wickedness. And so here's the point, folks. As the scripture says, you train them in what way? It doesn't matter what way, but you train them in a way when they get older, they're not going to depart from it. So if our kids now are being trained in the way of wickedness from our wicked society, why are we shocked when they abandon the Christian faith? We're not doing what God said to do. Are we really that surprised? Absolutely not, folks. The, the latest stat that I heard was 82%, 82% of kids raised in a Christian home will reject the Christian faith their first year of college. Why? All Is it really a surprise? You put them in this system that is wicked, encourages wickedness, and they take that path instead. We're not doing what God says to do. We know, folks, and we've talked about this before, our school system has rejected God, right? Removed prayer out of schools, right? Removed Bible reading out of schools, right? Maybe that's why Beaver wasn't that bad, right? And they even rejected the Ten Commandments out of our schools, saying one judge said that it might cause kids brain damage, i.e., if they were to look upon it, they would think upon it, and if they were to think upon it, then they might act on it. That's our society today, okay? And they admit, folks, we saw this before, they admit this is their goal. They have now taken our school system that used to be biblically based, that used to be Christ-centered, and they've now taken it to supplant the minds of the kids to produce godlessness. I didn't say that. They did. If you do the research, they admit it, folks. There's been an old switcheroo going on here. Orestes Brownson, he said, our great object was to get rid of Christianity and to convert our churches into halls of science. The plan was not to make open attacks on religion, but how are they going to pull it off? Quote, to establish a system of state schools from which all religion was to be excluded 
and to which all parents were to be compelled by law to send their children. For this purpose, a secret society was formed, and the whole country was to be organized. Oh, you're just some weird conspiracy. That's their own words, not mine. They admit that's their goal. That's what they started to do that. Okay? Charles Potter, he said, education is thus the most powerful ally of Christianity? No, humanism. And every American school is now a school of humanism. And listen to how they mock us. What can a theistic Sunday schools meeting for an hour once a week and teaching only a fraction of the children do to stem the tide a five-day program of humanistic teaching? Whoa. Uh, Richard Bozarth, he said this, we must ask how we can kill, quote, kill the God of Christianity. Here's how you do it, he says. We need only to ensure that our schools teach only secular knowledge. If we could achieve this, God would indeed be shortly due for a funeral service. And finally, John Dunphy said, I am convinced that the battle for mankind's future must be waged in one where? In the public school classroom by teachers who correctly perceive their role as proselytizers of a new faith, the religion of humanity. These teachers, he said, must embody the same selfless dedication as the most rabid fundamental preachers. For they're going to be ministers of another sort. Listen, utilizing a classroom instead of a what? Pulpit to convey humanist values in whatever subject they teach. Whether it be the educational level of preschool, daycare, large state university, it doesn't matter. Listen, the classroom must and will become an arena of conflict between the old and the new, the rotting corpse of Christianity and the new faith of humanism. I'm not making it up. That's what they said their goal is. Now, if you understand where humanism started, it started at the turn of the last century and started to make its head roads in, and then they started to introduce evolution in, and then right about the same time, that's when they took prayer and Bible out and then laid the Ten Commandments out. Okay, so now you take a look at what they've had, free reign for about the last 40 years, and guess what? They met their goal. And our Christians don't come out like beaver. Did you catch that family unit? Mom and dad. Respectful to both parents. Yes, sir. And what do we got today? We really think, I understand. We, we, we think, and we've been told, you just send your kids to school, you're going to get a good education. But by their own words, and what we're seeing with the fruit now of our secular education, it's been usurped. It's been hijacked, and it's being used to promote wickedness, and it's producing that wicked society uh, that our world is now filled with. That's where it's coming from. That's one of the sewer pipes. Unless you doubt, listen, folks, right now what I'm about to share with you are just a, a smattering of things that are taught, not the Bible, not Christianity, not Jesus Christ. I wish I had time to show you what the final test used to be in the McGuffey Reader in our country. It would put us Christians to shame about the office of Redeemer and of Jesus. <laughs> wow. Okay, but anyway, now this is what our kids are being taught. Listen to this. You think it's the re, uh, three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic? Apparently it wasn't spelling three R's. Okay, but anyway, uh, it sounds good, though. Right? Here's what they get instead. Right now, kids are being taught in public school that religion is a disease and the Bible is a work of fiction. They say that evolution is true and that God is dead. They, our kids are being taught that prayer is a waste of your time and that Christians and Christianity are dangerous. They're also being taught at the same time earth worship, socialized medicine, world government, redistribution of American wealth to other nations, abortion, the elimination of the right to bear arms. What's that doing in school? Altered states of consciousness, astrology, divination, spiritism, magic spells, sorcery, occult charms uh, and symbols, solstice rites, sacred sex, serpent worship, and human sacrifice. Do you think that would affect the kids' behavior a little? Slightly. And then you talk about, you wonder why kids are getting so immoral today? 
Listen to this. This was just hot off the press. Kindergarten teachers are now being required to set aside 30 minutes on a regular basis a day or, or on a regular basis for sex education with pornographic pictures and sex acts depicted in graphic detail. And one district, I just came across it this week, is now offering condoms to 11-year-olds while they're in school. But it's a good thing it doesn't affect their behavior. What you put in here determines how you behave. Now, let's take a look at that immoral ingestion in our school system, not just the re, uh, uh, getting rid of Christianity. And let's see what it has affected when it comes to teen wickedness and immorality. Approximately one-third of the entire population in the United States, 110 million people currently have a sexually transmitted disease, according to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, every single year, there's 20 million new cases of STD in America. It's going nuts. Uh, the 15 to 24-year-old age group accounts for 50% of all STD cases uh, each year. Uh, where are they being encouraged to do that? School and media, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, one out of every 14 goals right now in the United States, girls in the United States, has at least one sexually transmitted disease. And America has the highest STD infection rate in the entire industrialized world. Okay, and our nation right now spends approximately 16 billion, not million, billion dollars each year to treat just sexually transmitted diseases. And the United States now has the highest teen pregnancy rate in the entire world. Well, I wonder why. Could it be that's what we're educating them in? You send your kids to a school system that has kindergarten teachers sharing with them pornography and kindergarten. And other officials hand them out condoms. It's called you reap what you sow. You train them in wickedness, you behave in wickedness. We're not doing what God said to do. Train them up in the way he says they need to go in godliness. Okay? Okay, but we should listen to Martin Luther. Listen to this warning from him several uh, centuries ago. He said, I'm afraid that the schools will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they diligently labor in explaining the scriptures. Used to be. Not anymore. Engraving them in the hearts of the youth. I advise no one to place his child where the scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not increasingly occupied with the word of God must become corrupt. Guess what? Our school system, let's deal with it, has just become corrupt. Why? Because they've rejected God's word. In fact, uh, this one just came out. A lot of other school uh, Christians, leaders, are saying it's time for a new exodus. Get your kids out. He said this. He said, as parents, we are to fulfill God's, uh, his God-given obligation to train our children in the way they should go, which means removing our children from the poisonous fog of public schools where pornagogues hold our children's minds in their depraved grip. The fact that we continue to place our most precious gifts in toxic public schools for seven hours a day, five days a week for their most crucial formative years is testament of our own lack of wisdom as Christians. This intellectual laziness, selflessness, uh, pride, ignorance, and cowardice of many Christians has coalesced into an anemic faith. We are men and women without chests or spines, and we practice a faith that's been fed watered-down milk. And now we send our children to public schools that feed them on tainted crumbs, and we wonder why our youth are rejecting God. Quote, Christians, we need to wake up now. We need to pull our kids out of public schools and rescue them before it's too late. How long will you sit there under a school board celebrating fornication or sodomy and all this sexual chaos, don't you realize you're going to stand accountable to God? Because he says, as parents, we are supposed to train the child up in the way they should go, not 
a wicked world system. Why, Pastor Bill, how, how can this be happening? How, how can we go from leave it to beaver and that horrible rebel in black and white? How can we go to that and just all this wickedness exploding and everything? It's just hot. Because we rolled over and played dead, church. We allowed a wicked humanistic goal take over our school system and we keep supporting it and now it's producing that last day society of utter absolute wickedness. I'd say it's time we lead the way back, amen? The second why, uh, reason why uh, we're getting uh, more and more wicked, okay, it's producing from uh, two angles at least, okay, and that's because we have now a wicked media system. See, they've covered all bases. The Antichrist is not dumb, okay, because... You know, you can't be in school forever. You know, you got to go home sometime. So when you go home, you don't spend time with mom and dad instructing you in the way you should go. Or what do you do? This thing instructs you. Now, we need to get back to what David said when it comes to media or what you put into your eyes. Okay, if we're going to take God's way, and let's remind ourselves of what he did. He made a commitment with his eyes. Why? Because he learned the hard way with Bathsheba, didn't he? And so now David says, hey, listen, listen to me, man. You better make a covenant with your eyeballs. You better pay attention to what you allow in there. And that's what he says, Psalm 101, verse 2 through 4. He says, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that's godliness all over it. How, David, how? Number one, you better set nothing wicked before your eyes. Nothing. He says, in fact, I, I, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Uh-uh, you ain't going to make me do it. Oh, no, not in my eyeballs. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. How? It starts with your eyes. Why? Because just like what you teach in the brain, your eyes also go into the brain. So what you see begins to affect what you think. What you think begins to affect what you behave. And so David says, you want to get a control of that wickedness? You better put a guard over your eyes. Because as he basically says, junk in equals junk out. And I don't know about you, we're not just getting junk taught into the minds of our children in school today. But when they turn on the media, they're ingesting nothing but junk. And that's a mild word. They're ingesting nothing but wickedness. And we wonder why there's such a rise of immorality. We wonder why even Christians as adults, oh, I can't get rid of these wicked thoughts, Pastor Billy, the temptation. Shut it off! I said before so many times in counseling, hey, I'm not saying it's going to fix everything, but if you cannot get these wicked things out of your head, then shut the TV off. I'll bet you 80% of it's coming from there. Okay? The enemy is not dumb, folks. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'm convinced that he's using this technology in the last days, and he's using it to create this wicked society. And the what he's done is, see, we don't have time. We don't have time to have family devotions. We don't have time to read the Word of God. We don't even have time to talk to our kids. No! If there is to be even family time, we're watching this device that the enemy's created. And once you start, he just kind of sucks you into it. Because he's sitting there the whole time going, look at me. Look at, don't look at Joey. No, 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 no. Don't look at, look at me. Look at me. See if this sounds familiar with this device of the enemy. Let's take a look. Television. Look 
at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. No, don't look over there. There's nothing to look at over there. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Are you looking at me? Is everybody looking at me? Do I have everyone's attention? Don't get the wrong idea. I'm not trying to take over your life. You need what? What do you need? What do you need? You need to what? Go to the bathroom? Fine. Get up. Go to the bathroom. Come back. Look at me. You need what? You need to, you need to get something to eat? Fine. Get up. Go to the kitchen. Get something to eat. Come back. Look at me. You need to what? 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 Sleep? Fine. Get up. Go to bed. Go to sleep. Get up. Come back. Look at me. Okay. So, we have an agreement. You will do what you absolutely have to do, and when you're done, you will come back and look at me. Don't worry about your schedule. I am here for you. I am here for you. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, I am here for you. I am here for you. You need me. I'm here. Fair and foul, thick and thin, I am here for you. I am here for you. People try to tell you I'm bad. You tell them that I am here for you. 24 hours a day, fair and foul, thick and thin, I am here for you. I am here for you. People try to tell you I'm bad. <laughs> you know what it sounds like to me? Sour grapes. You see what I... No, 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 no. Don't look over there. There's nothing to look at over there. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I've got stuff you wouldn't believe. Danger, sex, action, death, thrills, comedy, all here, all in the next eight minutes. Can you believe it? You can't believe it. You can't believe it. It's unbelievable. You can't believe it because it's unbelievable. It's a miracle. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Look 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 at me. Folks, that video would be funny if it weren't so true. It just sucks you right in. You just can't stop looking at me. Okay, now the problem is, it'd be one thing if the look-at-me device was spewing forth things into our eyeballs that were neutral. They're not. And so now we're sucked into this look-at-me device, listen, and we have become so desensitized to the wickedness that's ingesting in our eyes, unlike what David said to do, that we do not bat an eye sitting down for hours and hours a day being peppered with evil. In fact, I just came across this this week. I want to give you a comparison of just how much we of our own doing torture ourselves with this visual wicked onslaught with a paintball analogy. And what you're going to see is a family is going to sit down and have family time at the look at me device. And they're going to compare via paintballs the amount of curse words in the movie Gone with the Wind versus just one modern movie. You see which one gets more paintballs. Let's take a look. You go. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give it.
we knew how to do that, though. If only we could have some practical information, Tom, on how we could protect our family and our friends and our kids from all this visual evil. How about shut it off? That's one movie. And what did David say? I'm not going to say no wicked thing before my eyes if I'm going to walk in the perfect way in holiness and godliness. Why? Because junk in equals junk out. And how many hours per day do we do this? Well, i got some stats for you. The average household in America right now combined watches almost seven hours a day of that. Seven hours a day of that. The average child spends 1,680 minutes a week watching that TV compared to 38 and a half minutes a week that they talk one-on-one with mom and dad. Who's educating the kid? Not mom and dad. That guy is. And what we just saw, folks, that's just one movie. Now add to this. The average American adolescent will view nearly 14,000 sexual references on TV per year. 75% of primetime network shows include sexual content, up 67% in one year alone. Nearly one-third of family hour shows contain sexual references. By the time children reach kindergarten, okay, the average American child has watched already, by the time they get to kindergarten, they've already watched 6,000 to 8,000 hours of TV, almost one-third of their preschool waking hours in front of that thing. And you think that's, that's nothing. It's about to get worse. This just came out. Listen to this. Right now, seven shows are being rolled out. Right now, seven shows are being rolled out that is going to completely uh, uh, feature complete nudity. Not partial nudity. That's bad enough. This is complete, full-blown nudity all the time. Seven shows getting ready to roll out. MTV also has a couple new shows coming out. One's called Virgin Territory. And the whole premise is this, participants, the whole goal is to try to lose your virginity, i.e. your V-card. MTV also has another show that's coming out called Happy Land, and the storyline is uh, about a a teen storyline that promotes incest, and the lead person, I kid you not, playing the girl in the show said, quote, incest is hot and we're going to have fun. Coming out now. What's that? Seven hours a day ingesting this. Why? I can't get rid of this wickedness, Pastor Billy. Why is these thoughts? Uh, shut it off. What are you doing? Not just an adult. Why are you doing letting your kids watch that? What? And you wonder why things are turning into a nightmare scenario? Why is there so much wicked? Are you crazy? In fact, folks, it's getting so bad, I couldn't believe this one. This is insane. Who would have ever thought this in our once great Christian nation? It's getting so bad that they now have full-blown commercials on TV promoting and encouraging adultery. Watch this. All right, marriage is hard enough. Uh, We certainly don't need TV commercials that are trying to get us to cheat on our spouse. But they're out there, in-your-face ads, and your kids can even see this. Great, isn't it? Take a look. Isn't it time for AshleyMadison.com? I'm ready for something new Something for myself Something that I've got to do I can't wait to decide There's nothing that I haven't tried Except Ashley Madison 
Life is short. Have an affair. Life is short. Have an affair. Uh, there's the motto. That's the tagline for AshleyMadison.com, an online dating service for married people advocating adultery. Who would have thought, leave it to Beaver, eat your heart out, that in our lifetime, our media would change so much that we'd be promoting adultery on a commercial. But that's here now. And then again, the premise is, as David says, you put that junk in, you're going to get junk out. Let's see now how the family unit is holding up with all this family injection of wicked behavior. Let's take a look at some stats on that. Uh, the marriage rate in the United States has fallen to an all-time low, 6.8 marriages per 1,000 people. Why get married? You don't need to, according to our media. In the United States today, more than one half of all couples will move in together before they get married. It's called cohabitation. The Bible does not condone that. John chapter 4, Jesus called the woman out the well and said, the man you're living with is not your husband, and he was not condoning her behavior. You need to reserve that for marriage. Uh, America now has the highest divorce rate in the world. Gee, I wonder why. you got commercials promoting adultery in our country. Uh, saying it's a good thing to do. America has the highest percentage of one-person households in the entire planet. Uh, for women under the age of 30, more than half of all babies are being born out of wedlock now. One out of every three children in the United States lives in a home without a father. One out of three. 69% uh, of Americans believe there's nothing wrong with divorce. 66% uh, of Americans believe that sex outside of marriage is perfectly fine. 58% uh, of Americans believe that having a baby outside of marriage is fine as well. 58% of Americans now believe that gay and lesbian relationships are just fine. 89% of all the pornography produced in the world is coming from us. Coming from us. That's how far we have fallen as a country. America has the highest incarceration rate and the largest total prison population in the entire world by a wide margin. Why? Well, another study came out and says you mess with the family unit, people are going to be looking for a new family. Listen to this. Uh, without strong families, our young people are constantly in search of an identity. And according to the FBI, there are now more than 1.4 million gang members involved in 33,000 active criminal gangs in the United States. That's their new family. Because the family unit has gone down the tube. Why? Maybe it's because we're not paying attention to our education system and our media system and we're ingesting all this wickedness and it's producing a wicked society and it's shredding us apart. Morally and the family unit. In fact, what's really interesting is it's not only this wicked media and education system is not only producing this immorality and a family breakdown, it is producing the exact same kind of wicked brutality. I mean wicked brutality that Paul mentions in our opening text. Let's take a look at that real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. But mark this, Paul says there's going to be terrible times in the last days. Here's that society. People's going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They're going to be boastful and proud and abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. What's the last word there? Brutal. Real quick, it's the Greek word anomeros. Let's say that. I actually say that, but thank you for trying that Greek word. Uh, anomeros, thank you, Ron. Uh, and it means this, anomeros, brutal. Okay, we don't kind of get the full flavor. That means, Paul says, how do you know? How bad is that society going to be in the last days? When you see Anamaris, when you see people acting, quote, like they're not even tamed, fierce, listen, literally, they act like a bunch of savages. Now, if you notice in our society today, folks, it's not just people getting more wicked. Have you noticed how we're treating each other, even our own families? 
absolute savages. We're becoming, it's the exact same word that Paul used. The exact word, folks. Let's take a look real quick at some of that. A Pennsylvania woman beat her child with a baseball bat over a clogged toilet. That's anomeros. That's not just wicked. That's just, that's brutal. That's, 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 that's savagery. And that's what Paul says is going to happen in the last days. A 13-year-old boy killed his cousin over an Xbox. A man smothered his son over a video game. Another man fatally stabbed his wife in an argument over a cable bill. Two 18-year-old boys beat a 30-year-old mentally disabled man to death with a baseball bat so they can get his Xbox. Uh, a couple dismembered their roommate and burned their, uh, their torso in a campfire. A California priest was beaten to death with a wooden stake and a metal gutter pipe. Uh, teen girls were charged with torturing a mentally disabled boy. Uh, a woman was beaten to death after, ac- listen, after accidentally walking in front of a camera while a group posed for a photo. That happens all the time here in Vegas, right? She just walked in front of it accidentally. They killed her. That's on Ameros, folks. That's, that's, that's the savagery. Brutal. That's our world today, folks. Teens savagely beat a homeless man and then kicked his dog to death. And another teenage girl bludgeoned, strangled, and then decapitated her friend. A girl did that. That's savagery. And it's not just a rise of wickedness that Paul said will come in the last days. It's exactly what he said. It is getting brutal. Why? Well, I'm kind of thinking in closing... It might have to do, back again, with what we're ingesting in our eyes. Why is our world getting so brutal? Why is it getting so violent? Junk in equals junk out. The average American teenager views 10,000 murders, rapes, and aggravated assaults per year on television. Over 80% of all television programs contain acts of violence. A child born today will witness 200,000 acts of violence on TV by the time they're 18. And I love this quote. Uh, And the question more and more concerning parents and public officials is this. What's all this viewing doing to them? Spirit of Arnold Horshack is all over me. Ooh, 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 Mr. Cotter. I know the answer to that one. I'm kind of thinking maybe it's our wicked media. We're ingesting their eyes. We're not listening to King David, and we're not putting no wicked thing before our eyes. And because we're allowing so much junk in, it's producing junk out. Maybe that's it. And that's exactly what it is. And even the secular researchers are admitting you put violent junk in, you get a violent, brutal society out. Folks, the point is, we're not just seeing the reasons why this increase of wickedness. What we're seeing is that Paul said, how do you know you're living the last days? When you see this society. And we're at that society right now. And that's why Jesus said, when you see these things take place, what do you do, Christian? You stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. He come, he's coming back to get us. We don't know the day nor the hour, but turn on your TV. You should go, woohoo! Jesus is coming to get me. Open up the newspaper. What? There's all this wickedness. Hey, Jesus is coming to get me. Woohoo! Right? And it should motivate us to get busy sharing the gospel because we don't want people to go into the ultimate time of wickedness, the seven-year tribulation. And if you're here today and you haven't done that, you need to do that now. Because you think it's bad now? You better read the Bible. Bible says you ain't seen nothing yet. The seven-year tribulation is getting so wicked, so evil, I don't have time to go into the litmus of how evil it's going to be, but it literally gives us the picture that literally full-blown demons are going to be manifested all over the planet. You don't want to be there. There's only one way out. His name is Jesus Christ. You need to accept him as your Savior today. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. 
the Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. 
And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599.
or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com, or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.